Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Bart Reed's player profile and scouting report is brought to you by the Hoop Five Basketball Academy. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Bart Reed. Are you going to go all the way over to Maui to give us, I mean, the most accurate scouting reports coming up for the uh, Maui Classic? Arkansas opens up on Monday with uh, none other than the University of Louisville. I said, what a classic basketball tradition-rich opening matchup, huh, Randy? I mean, two really storied basketball programs that are, I think, in anyone's top mind of basically dominance through the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. So it's a great matchup. I think, in my opinion, Maui is one of my favorite tournaments to watch. The atmosphere, I think it's I've never been, always wanted to go. Randy, I'm not sure if you've been, but I I love the overall atmosphere that they have. Always some of the top teams in the country. It seems like they just get after it. There doesn't seem to be a ton of blowouts. So I really think Arkansas is going to have their hands full, especially in this opening round. This is going to be a really great test for them, as Louisville has not quite as much talent, certainly, but has some older, certainly more physical players that I think could present a problem for us, especially traveling on the road in unfamiliar uh, areas, especially, Randy, we know shooting problems tend to get worse on the road. This is going to be a tournament of basically one question. How high can the Razorbacks shoot from the field and from the three-point line? That's basically what it's going to come down to. Here's what I I would say to what you just said. The SEC better not overlook anybody. Because mm-hmm. there have been some yep. devastating losses in the SAC, SEC. Today, Murray State beat Texas A&M. Texas a and is ranked number 24 in the country. Murray State beat them after they lost their coach and all their team from last year. Uh, we've seen Tennessee lose to Colorado, which lost to Grambling, so you can't take anybody lightly. But Louisville's right. horrible. They're 0-3. Yep. They've lost to three schools you've never heard of, and they're, they're, it's a mess. So, uh, actually, that's that's yep. probably the best first-round game. On paper, before the season, you thought, oh, my gosh, Arkansas-Louisville. Right now, you look at it and say, you couldn't draw a better first-round opponent at Maui. Yep, except you're taking one thing in consideration. But we're yet to be really challenged, and I know that the, you know, I'm not trying to upplay Louisville, how good they are, I'm not trying to downplay the South Dakota-North Dakota competition level. But this is still a young team that I don't 100% buy in. They haven't won my trust completely to go out and I think win the games that they're supposed to win. But I do right. agree with you. It should be a technically a great matchup to open and go out there and win. But the problem is I think we're just going to struggle shooting the basketball. So, Randy Rick, there's just no guaranteed lot victory for this Razorback team when you're going to be that streaky shooting the basketball. Got to play great defense, which they've done at times in the last couple of games. They did last night until about the last 10 minutes. Now, after what I just said, Eric Musselman will figure out a way to convince his team that Louisville is the best 0-3 team in the history of basketball before That's that right. game because their scouting reports are extensive. And as I said, you're right. This team is young. They can't take anybody for granted, nobody. And then the, the thing you would worry about the most is, I don't know who's lined up for the game number two, is if they do beat Louisville by double digits, which they should, 
Then you got to worry about, well, hey, this is easy, right? And the second opponent, to me, would be the one you'd have to really watch out for. That's right. And the field's pretty loaded up. Are the Arizona, Cincinnati, uh, Ohio? I mean, so there's some quality teams. So as you progress, there's going to be no cupcakes. I certainly think it's going to be a challenge Mm. for them. And look, I'm just looking forward to some really great basketball. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be high level, and certainly it's a great environment to watch college basketball as it begins to tip off the season. Win or lose, Arkansas will take on the winner or loser of Texas Tech and Creighton. Okay. Well, that's a tougher opponent, I would think. So The normally... game on Monday is going to be at 4 o'clock. And uh, right at the beginning of Drive right. Time Sports. Bye-bye Drive Time Sports on yeah. Monday. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and, what time and then the Tuesday game day? on Tuesday – if you win, uh, if Arkansas wins, would be six o'clock. Okay. And then if Arkansas was to lose, the game would be at uh, let's see, two thirty. If I read wow. this correctly. So either so, way, we're going to miss so a little bit of time. Who would you pick? Who we? Uh, Come out of that game, Texas Tech or Creighton? Now Creighton was very good a year ago. So was yeah, Texas Tech so a year Tech. ago. I'd, I'd probably say Texas Tech, but without knowing a lot about either one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're still pretty stingy from a defensive perspective. I, I like Texas Tech to come out of that one. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right, Bart, before we, get, uh, let, before we backtrack to South Dakota State last night to get your thoughts on that game, let's make sure we get in what we're supposed to, and that is our Hoofi Performers of the Week. So beginning first, take your pick, either male or female Performers of the Week. Yeah, so let's go to let's go to Palm Bluff, Arkansas, and let's talk about one dynamic kid, Jordan Harris. This is a 2023 senior, Palm Bluff Zebra, 240 pounds, six six. Since a sophomore, he has been all state, and I've watched him. He is tremendous down on the low post, probably a little undersized at the Division One level to be a senior, but certainly has Division Two dynamic talent written all over him. He's an Arkansas rising star again, six six, two forty. He's been, quote-unquote, the MVP of the 5A South, basically, guys, for three years. He has averaged right under 20 points a game and right at 14 rebounds and three block shots. He is someone to be uh, reckoned with down in the low post, looking to have, they came close to state championship this year, looking to have another big year to make a run for it. Jordan Harris, pretty much, guys, every Division two around the country's calling for this guy, junior college. Again, he's right on the cusp of being that Division One talent. I just think he's a little undersized. He needs to work on his shooting or ball handling. But Jordan Harris is a name to remember. 2023, he's a Palm Bluff Zebra, 6'6", 240 pounds. Wow. Does he play football? He does. I believe he's a tight end. Well, I start to say, it looks like he'd be a great tight end with that size. And, and uh, surely the footwork and agility that he's – Game through playing basketball would certainly benefit him on the uh, football court as well. Yes, uh, all right, our hoop five female player of the week. So Riley Brady, he is six foot tall. This is Episcopal Collegiate School. Really dynamic young lady. She's all state in three different sports. Looks like she might be going to play college volleyball as her career ends at Episcopal. She's twenty twenty three. She's six foot tall. She averaged last year as an all-state performer 13 points and 12 rebounds, along with three block shots. 
this late young lady defines explosiveness and strength. Really, I listen to Micah Marsh talk about her. Every rebound she thinks is hers. She's a physically dominant specimen. She can score inside and outside and really just blows everybody's doors off with her overall effort on the court. Just plays every second like it's her last. Riley Brady, Episcopal Collegiate. She does not play grassroots basketball. She's six foot tall and looks like she's, guys, I'm not exactly where, but probably a major college volleyball player, six foot tall. Speaking of Episcopal Collegiate, uh, this is a young man, last name Robinson. I think he put 41 Woo. up the other night. Uh, Bart, is this someone that is flying underneath the radar? Is it Corlin? Uh, Kellen. Kellen. Kellen Robinson. So, Randy, it's hard to say that a kid ranked that high would be flying under the radar, but let me fill you in a little bit. So this is, this is the young man that was an Arkansas Hawk. I've trained Kellen since. He was a little bitty coming with his brother, K.K., to work out, K.K. Robinson's brother. And what is really unique about Kellen is he so seems so much bigger than K.K. He looks like he's about an inch, inch and a half taller, about 15 pounds heavier as a sophomore right now. A dynamic four. He went out of state to play grassroots basketball. And Rennie's almost got a little bit lost in the shuffle. Went to Nike Pro Skills in Dallas and had a great season. But uh, I think maybe they promoted some of the uh, Texas kids over the Arkansas kids. But he was a young man as a freshman that had an Auburn offer, had some Razorback interest. This kid is big time. Maybe the best four I have seen come through the state in a long time. His physicality from the guard position is off the charts good. He absolutely just did whatever he wanted to against another great point guard at Sheridan that had 40 points. Kellen had 30. Aaron Justin Creed had 40. It was a really great battle between the two point guards. Wow. Okay. You're saying he's only a sophomore? Only a sophomore. Wow. Only a sophomore. He was a I know that uh, he also is an outstanding football player. He had a great football yeah. season for Episcopal this yeah. past year. I think as a so wide great. receiver, maybe. Yep. And Randy, as a freshman, he averaged 28 last year as a freshman, 28. And he's getting everybody's best shot, everybody's focusing on him. Sheridan had every potential scouting report, everything they could. He still just did whatever he wanted to. He's so highly skilled and understands the game at such a high level with his physicality. It, it's just incredible. I'm guessing he sees a box and one just about any and every night. He, he does, and it's well-adjusted. He had a smile on his face the entire night. He's really the definition of what I would call fizz, uh, finishing through contact. He had a game last year, Randy, where he shot 23 free throws in one game. 23 free throws. So wow. he just takes it right into contact and finishes right through. Well, I think he might be a candidate somewhere down the line then for the Hoop Five Male Performer of the Week. I would kind of yes, keep an eye on him. Yeah. Yes, um, yes sir. All right, Bart, let's backtrack just a little bit, and this is barely 24 hours ago. Well, it's not even 24 now. Um, let's talk about the finishing play by one Trevin Brazil. Have you seen, and I'm talking in the game, I mean, that, that was as powerful. I think that was the part that jumps out. Yeah, we've seen that kind of tomahawk dunk before, but 
Good gracious, was he up there to begin with? I didn't realize he had those kind of hops. And uh, then the force that he used to throw it down. I, I mean, the, the kids love to use the term uh, posterize. I mean, whatever he wanted or whatever you want to call it, he did it last night in a finishing effort. In fact, Kamani yep. Johnson couldn't quite control himself and had to kind of rub it in and got a technical foul because of it. But uh, yeah, uh, what it. a performance. This this guy is just a difference maker, and to be really, we look at him. I, I don't know. What do you think he weighs, guys? Two hundred twenty pounds, maybe. Maybe he's he much stronger than that. So he's got a great base to him. It's a slight upper body, but certainly has a great base because he does not get pushed around a lot. He certainly has no trouble being explosive off the floor. I love this guy. I said this talking to Bill Ingram, who Conzo uh, Martin's a great friend of his. Says. Trayvon Brazil may be left Missouri the most underrated player in the country because he played out of position for a year and was still so effective putting up those numbers. And I think he's the catalyst for the season with the way he finishes and shoots the basketball in the, in the pick and roll situation and in a four out situation or five out. I think he's just the difference maker for us. Just an incredible talent. He might be a top 10 NBA pick next year. And, Bart, you got to say, Brazil. Combine that with Ricky Council, I, I don't know what, you know, how you could say now that Hunter kid last night for Texas, who was the freshman of the year in the Big Twelve for the for the, I think it was the Iowa Jayhawks, but or maybe maybe Iowa State. I'm, doesn't matter, but uh, I don't know how you can say any two have had a greater impact uh, this early in the season is what you could say from Council in Brazil. Yeah, and listen, we're and we don't even get a chance because they're so dynamic. To speak that Jordan Walsh has quietly racked up an extremely efficient season for a freshman for a young pup. We have mm-hmm. ten points, rebound, and assist, but he just seems to be everywhere. He can test. He's such an NBA level athlete. It really is. It's it's amazing to to, to watch the front court athleticism and just power and strength and overall skill that this Arkansas Razorback team has. But when they're rolling, it's special to watch. And this is without Nick Smith. You. What should is there should there be concern on Arkansas fans uh, in regards to, to Nick Smith Jr.? I mean, this, this just keeps on kind of dragging it out. I know they use the term knee management, but should there be concern, Bart, on behalf of Arkansas fans? I think anytime you have such a high-profile player, such as a Nick Smith, I mean, this probably, Rick, takes us back to a little bit of uncharted, like a Darren McFadden type of guy where you're taking out a big insurance policy because the guy's got such a bankable future, they're going to be overly cautious. And that's the only thing I think to be disappointed. If he is not 100%, I don't see him taking the court and it's really out of Nick Smith's control. He has to be cleared. Nick would want to play on one leg. That's what I know about Nick Smith Jr. But, unfortunately, there's doctors and higher powers that have to clear him to play. So I think it is a concern, especially as you go on and on. But let's be honest, guys. The Arkansas Razorbacks have to pick up like he's not here, he's not coming back. They can't sit there and wait and think about what it could have, should have. They have to plan. Roles have to be filled. Boys have to be filled up, so they're just going on a business as usual. And guys, they don't look bad at all. They seem to just be picking up and rolling just fine. 
Speaking of concerns, major concern over the inability, it's called free for a reason, and that is free throws. Last night, Arkansas was horrible at the free throw line. Eight out of 15. They got over 50%. That's great if it's a field goal percentage, but not so good from the foul line. Yeah. such an anomaly for us, guys, because we were so great from the free throw line last year, so we almost get fooled that we're, yeah. I think, you know, top three in the country. It, and, this, again, can't harp on it enough. They can't let those type of opportunities go when you don't shoot three ball very well. So I, I, I think they'll tighten up, and I think some of the guys are shooting a lower percentage because they're not getting the volume right now from the, uh, from the free throw line. I think that'll change. More games help and more practice time helps. I, I think they'll fall in line, but we've been kind of hovering around those low numbers. I don't think we've been over 80% yet. So I'm hoping that that picks up because it certainly needs to be higher than 53%. Two guys that need to be really good at the foul line are Council and Brazil because the way they attack the basket, they're going to get to yep. the free throw line, don't you think? Absolutely. That's the whole idea. And it's, it's free for a reason. We really need to convert, especially those two. If not 80%, 70 certainly for that high skill level player those two. You were speaking a moment ago of roles if if and when he does return, and that is hopefully Nick Smith Jr. How do you see the roles changing? Because it's getting it's now becoming uh, a necessity that Ricky Council, I think, has to be in the lineup. He's logging a lot of minutes. And then Brazil I think you could play even a few more minutes than what he's playing right now. Uh, Ricky was considered to be uh, the sixth man up until the day that Arkansas first found out that uh, he wasn't going to play. Nick Smith Jr. wasn't going to play. So, Bart, how do you, how do you, if you're Eric Musselman, how do you then adjust those roles? Because he's already said all the in all the preseason and. During the summer, everything was predicated on Nick Smith, the plays, and and so forth and so on, uh, were centered around Nick Smith Jr. How do you how do you change things now? Well, it's going to be interesting because the one person that is just quietly normally we're waiting for this young man to pick it up late. That's when he turns on his best basketball. But how about Devo Davis playing more? Yeah. minutes? thirty three minutes last night, and again has been just spooky efficient. Thirteen, two, and three. Guys, it's as good of a performance as you're going to get in a great ball handler and facilitator. So now Devo's settling in. So we're seeing that type of end-of-season success he's normally had at the start of the season. So now it becomes even harder from a role standpoint. I think Nick Smith has a high enough basketball IQ to understand when a team is rolling, he certainly has a role. I think he'll, he doesn't feel the need to show he's the alpha male right off the bat and score 20 points. I think if he steps in, it'll kind of we'll go through that natural adjustment period. But he's a perfect guy. He's a willing passer. He's a willing teammate. So I don't think there's any ego problems. And, and the more if we can have a weapon like Nick Smith, there's a little bit of discomfort in the rotation at first. I think that serves the team over the long term, and I think it'll be just fine. Anthony Black, are we seeing who we expect to see maybe in January? the Anthony Black we're seeing right now? Yeah, I, I, w- I would love to see him be more. It's uncanny what he can do in passing. and He's almost just looking like chess. He's three moves ahead of everybody else. I think 
he's such an exceptional pick. Can you imagine if this guy had a legitimate three-point shot that you had to defend? His game is unbelievable what he can do. I think he's playing – I really think this. He had to grow up in a hurry with Nick Smith being gone. And he certainly slid in taking a extremely big role. He's tightened up on some of his loose turnovers. So he's got room to get better. I think he can get better. I think five points can go to ten or twelve points, and I don't think that's asking too much. And I think his assist can push up. So I certainly think we're seeing January-type performance, but I think it can get better, guys. I'm now ready to start comparing him, but he scored a lot more than than what uh, I think Anthony is capable of scoring. That's Penny Hardaway. The more I look at him, yeah. the more I think of Penny Hardaway as Absolutely. Anthony Black. All right, Bart. Yep. Thank you, my friend. That's Bart. Thank Reed, you. courtesy of Hoop Five.